Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Here we are again, another cold and rainy Wednesday, but that's okay. That's all right. If that's what God wants to give us. Uh, then we'll take that, right? We we have learned in this season, especially over the last year, to just really rely and trust in God no matter what is coming our way. Um, it would be really cool if God wanted to send some snow our way. Hey, we'd take that. I know I have two boys that have been really praying for snow. So, hey, you never know. This is Arkansas weather, right? But happy Wednesday to you. Welcome to Rock Creek Family Church Wednesday night Bible study. So thankful that you have joined in. We love you guys and we appreciate you and, and are praying for you. Thank you so much for your extremely valuable support and partnership in what we are doing at Rock Creek Family Church. We are excited about this upcoming year. I know there's still a lot of what ifs, but we have placed them all firmly in the hands of our Lord Christ Jesus and believe that he is going to do even more and greater things this upcoming year. In fact, this last year, we came through this year so much better than what originally we were thinking we could have. God was so gracious and so wonderful and so faithful through this last year. And our church actually grew through this last year in multiple ways, in numbers and finances and in all kinds of things. God has, has been growing us and thank you for being a very, very integral part of that. I love you. My heart's definitely reaching out to you guys. But here we are again, Wednesday night Bible study, and we have been talking about how to stand and how to, how to uh, handle those spiritual bullies in our life. And, and we've, we learned last week, of course, using the, uh, the story there of David and Goliath, which we will revisit just a little bit. Um, but we, we learned that for David to face Goliath, the first thing he had to do was stand firm in his identity that he found in his God, in in our case, the our our identity that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ, and how that is where we need to first learn how to stand. And and as Apostle Paul says, if you're engaging in spiritual warfare, having done all, what you really need to do is stand, stand firm in who you are in him, stand firm in who who God is and, and really getting to know that. And so we use that acronym STAND, S-T-A-N-D, to, to help us out on how to handle these spiritual bullies. And, and so last week, again, the S stood for stand firm in our identity in Christ. And now we're to the T, right? S-T, T being learning how to trust and rely on God's power and not just our own. Uh, David did that. Uh, Many, many great men and women of faith have all had to go through those lessons. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight because 
you know, when, when you're in a battle, when you're in a season of struggling and wrestling, when you're in either a rainy season or, or a night season in your life, that is oftentimes where the enemy tries to sow in uh, seeds of discourse or seeds of frustration. Uh, the New Testament calls those tares, right? Weeds. There's the wheat and the tares, the, the weeds that try to grow up and choke the wheat out. Um, and it is often in those seasons and those valley moments when we are in the heat of the battle that the enemy wants to frustrate you and he wants to get you to be fearful and anxious and worried about how you're going to handle this and do you have what it takes to handle this and you know what the reality and the truth is is that sometimes we don't have we don't have the strength in our own ability to handle that and that's just the truth of it um by nature I'm weak, especially in certain areas. Hey, I may not be weak in some areas, but I will be weak in some other areas. You know, I, I may not be weak when it comes to certain temptations, but in other temptations and areas, I may be really weak. Uh, I may not be weak in some ways of thinking, but in other areas of, of thinking, I may be really weak and I need God's help for that. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. We'll start there. Then we'll jump over again to the story of David and Goliath, pick some stuff out of that, and really dive deep into what I believe in is an exciting word to help you out if you've ever struggled or maybe struggling now. This will really, really help you out. This word of God is going to be so important for you today. I'm excited to bring it. Let's jump in. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And then let's dive into his word, his will, and his way. Father God, we love you and we thank you. You are so good. You are so wonderful and so gracious to us. I want to thank you for your faithfulness over, over us and over my life and how I can look back in, in my life and in the days that I've gone through and the struggles that I've gone through. And I've seen your amazing and grace, your amazing faithfulness, Lord, that has always been with me. I pray, God, that you would remind us all of those times and those seasons where you've brought us through so much. And God, I'm not here to belittle anyone's struggle, but I am here to exalt you as God over them. So I pray that you would use this word, use this Bible study, use this moment, this time, this, this next few minutes. Use it to build your, glory, your kingdom for your glory. Use it, Lord God, to encourage those that need encouraging. Use it, Lord, to to bless those that, that need a blessing. Use it to, to give strength where it is needed and, and even a, a wellness of, of people in their mind and their body. God, cover them by your amazing grace and strengthen them by your Holy Spirit. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope that you are doing well and trust that everything is going okay for you. But as I have said a thousand times and will continue to say it, I hope and I trust that you are growing closer to the Lord now more than ever. It's so important right now and that growing close is really what it's all about. You know, um, I love being a dad. I, I really do. Uh, there are times that um, you'd like to say, time out, I'm going a little crazy, but I think we've all been there. Uh, I Surely, I never drove my parents crazy. No, never at all, right? 
Um, but in the busyness and the hustle and the bustle, even in, in all of it, I still really enjoy being a dad because I enjoy that relationship that I have with my kids. And it, it reminds me of when they were little. And my youngest son, who is now 10, um, when he was two, three, four, right in that in that range, in that age there, uh, he was a little bit of a daredevil, not not a crazy daredevil, but a little bit of a daredevil and less cautious than my oldest son. And um, whenever, when I say a little bit of a daredevil, is he would do some things, you know, a little differently than what my oldest son would do. So when he was around two, three, somewhere right in that in that age age group, I remember one time walking through our bedroom and, and as you walk through our bedroom you have our our bed here on on my right and you walk a little bit and go to the left and go into our bathroom and, and I was carrying some laundry had my arms full of laundry yes I do laundry I admit it um but as I was carrying laundry from from through the bedroom to towards the bathroom I hear out of the this side of uh, of my face here, I, I hear this voice, hey dad, catch. And so I be, then all of a sudden I see out of the corner of this eye, just within a split second, this 30 some odd pound body, this 30 pound body flying in my direction with his arms spread open wide and a big grin upon his face and his eyes like this and his, his, his face lit up and just literally in a split second, what was in the corner of my eye was was about right here in my face. And as I turned to him and I dropped all of the laundry, as, I, as our bodies collided and our chests bumped and my arms wrapped around him and the laundry hit the floor and both of us almost hitting the floor because it kind of caught me off guard just a little bit. I hear just the giggling and the laughter and the excitement in his face like, hey, dad, thanks for catching me. You know, <laughs> it was in that moment that I kind of thought, well, wow, great. Yeah, this is a great embracing moment here. And I love feeling close to you, but buddy, could you give me a little bit of a heads up next time? Uh, you know, just before you do it the next time, say, hey, dad, let me turn and look, and then I will get ready, and I will open my arms, and I will catch you. But this happened so quick, it, it almost caught me off guard. But it was after I put him down, and as I was cleaning up all of the, the laundry, just about getting ready to uh, put it up, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was, was really dealing with me in that moment, and it, like I could hear his voice say, you know... Do I trust, asking me the question, do you trust God like that? Do you trust me like that? Like like your son trusted that I would catch, that he would be caught by you before you even gave him his full your full attention. Uh, do, do I trust God like that? Can I, can I step out in faith before I really feel like God is there? Is my trust and my reliance upon God that strong? And I would dare say that it could probably use a little bit of work. That that there are times that maybe I don't trust God as much as I should. And I've often learned that it is in those times when I don't trust Him the way that I should that I actually I struggle a little harder than other times. 
Um, we're going to read real quick Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It's probably one of the most famous passages of scriptures about trust. Uh, if you, Most of you probably know this by heart. You've memorized this. If you haven't, no shame. Do it now. Memorize. Memorize this tonight. Memorize this over the next maybe few days. And let this be something that, that guides you as you walk throughout the remainder of 2021, right? So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Or some translations say, he will make straight your paths, or make your path straight way. Either way, it all means the same. And this was something that Solomon, one of the wisest men ever to have lived, Something that he understood is he was going to pin down how to be successful to anyone who wanted to read his book and listen to the principles that God had taught him. He's saying that this is, this is a really important principle. This is something that, that Solomon understood and Solomon knew the secret to making it through the tough times was trusting in God. It was not trusting in your own ability. Now, Solomon being one of the richest men also to have ever lived on the face of this earth, he could have written down, trust in your bank account with all your heart. And some of you'd be like, oh, I don't think we can do that, right? Uh, and some, other, some others would be like, eh, it's good at times and not so good at times. But, but Solomon didn't say, trust in that. Uh, he, he, didn't, he had more people working for him than most companies, most large companies would today. And yet he didn't say, don't trust in that company. Don't trust in even all of your workers. Don't trust in all of that. He said, not first and foremost. First and foremost, you learn to trust in God. And as you do, you'll be brought through all of the tough times as he shows you how to walk through that valley. As he shows you how to stand firm in your belief against spiritual bullies and against battles that are found in valleys and struggles that you go through. As a leader and as a king, he knew firsthand how to handle struggles. It was not going to be by his own strength. It was going to be by God's who would give him the wisdom and the pathway and know which way to go. <clears throat> uh, he, he also learned that to trust God means to lean on God, right? That's what he says. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What he's saying is that to trust God is to lean into him and allow him to be your support. It's kind of that same picture of you getting on a chair or maybe a stool where you, you, you know that stool, that chair is sturdy. And so you're willing to kind of prop yourself against that stool and put your weight on that. Or in a in an example of a chair, you're willing to put all of your weight down upon the seat of that chair. You're willing just to rest fully in that. It reminds me of the story of a guy by the name of Uncle Oscar, who was really apprehensive about his very first airplane flight. And as he got on being really nervous, he, he, he went through all the things, that the motions that you have to go through to get prepared, buckling seatbelts, putting all this stuff up. And then as he was flying, he was a bit nervous, but it was getting a little bit better. Then as he arrived at the next location, he had some friends waiting on him who knew he did not like flying and knew he was a bit apprehensive about it. And as he got off of the airplane and, and got into the terminal there, 
they, his friends ask him, so, Uncle Oscar, how did the flight go? And Uncle Oscar says, well, uh, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. But I will tell you this. I never did fully put all of my weight down in that seat. And maybe that has to do with a lot of us in our faith that like like Uncle Oscar who never really settled into his seat on the flight because he was nervous about what was going to happen, what, what could and what might and what possibly could happen on that flight. It caused him to be tense and anxious and nervous the whole time where he was partially trusting but not ever really fully trusting. And I hope and pray that like my son who fully trusted in me and in my ability uh, that I can fully learn to trust in God by leaning on him just as I lean on a stool or lean on a chair or lean on a wall or be propped up by something and basically what I'm saying is that whatever happens to that chair, I've trusted it in a way that if the chair breaks, <laughs> I'm probably going to fall and break something, right? If, if the chair does not hold up, then I probably am not going to hold up. But this is where I must stop and give God praise that we have a God that's not ever going to be broken, right? We have a God that's not ever going to let us down or forsake us or leave us. We have a God that holds us up in his hand. And he says, nothing, nothing, no one, nothing that can happen to you will ever pluck you out of his hand. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. That He is someone we can fully put our trust and our reliance in. I've, I often say it this way, you know, unbelief is the root of powerlessness. So if you're not if you're not walking in the power uh, that God has in store for you, it probably stems back to an unbelief or a a, a faith issue, right? A trust issue. Uh, that you may have with God. And hey, we all have to walk through that. We all have that. None of us are perfect in that setting or that situation. But I do, and I've always learned in my life that in moments where I felt powerless, it was because I really had a struggle with my faith and my belief and therefore my trust. And when I do that, I lean off of God back towards me because I try to control me, right? I try to get my center and my self-control. And so I lean back to me and myself. And, and then when I lean away from God and I don't trust God, well, then that's when I really get in a mess. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been in a few messes because of, you know, something that I did or didn't do, right? Well, I've also learned that that unbelief comes from actually exalting my limitation or the, the exalting the, the circumstance or the situation or the bad news or whatever. I exalted it actually over God's character and God's ability. And that's really important to have both of those two things together, his character and his ability and his ability because we we all have realized that um, that to know God in the character of who He is, to know Him for His character, and to trust Him and believe in Him for who He is, means that then you understand that He has then the ability to do everything and anything that we could ever need, that we could even more than we could ask or think. That He is an amazing and a wonderful and a powerful God. 
that he is so amazing. And Solomon learned this, but he learned this not just on his own. He actually had a great man of God just ahead of him that was a bit of a mentor for him, especially when it comes to being king of Israel and a king that God wants him to be. And that was actually his dad, David. David was a man of God. After We, we know that, that uh, through all of scripture that he said, uh, that David was a man after God's own heart. And, and David actually learned this at a young age, right? And, and as David learned this, how to trust in God, that he, he actually walked this out through a, a big span of his life. And on his deathbed, on David's deathbed in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 3, he gives Solomon some extremely important information. It, it, was, it was some of the last words that we know of that's written down that, that he had spoken to his son Solomon before Solomon were, was to take the, the throne and be the next king and to, to give him these last final words of, of importance and, and even, I would dare say, heartfelt uh, um, stuff that, that really he wanted Solomon to take home and to live the rest of his life out with some, some good pointers, if you will, on how to be not just a king, not just a great king, but a great man of God. So in 1 Kings 2 and 3, he tells Solomon, walk with God and keep his statutes. Walk with God and keep his statutes. If you want to know how to be success, if you, if you, want, to know, if you want to know one of my most important things to know about how to be a successful man of God, it's this, walk with him. Walk with him and keep his statutes, which, which really means walk by his principles. Walk by his, his abiding presence. Walk with him as you do. Lean into him. Put your weight upon him. Rest in him. Uh, David learned this at a, at, a, at a young age. He learned how to trust in God. He learned how to know God and walk with him and this actually became the example for us that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're just going to read verses 44 through 48. We find in this story a very, very clear-cut example about how David learn to trust in God, even in times of, of war and in times of being bullied and in times of where he could have been afraid or anxious, um, David learned how to walk with God. And that's what brought him through the struggle in the valley of Elah, where he meets with, yeah, the great champion, Goliath, right? So 1 Samuel 17, verses 44 through 48. The Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. 
And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, to meet Goliath. Now, how would you like to have that kind of faith that can Look at a struggle ahead. Look at a battle ahead, a war ahead. Not just a war, but a big champion, a, a, a big, gnarly, ugly-looking champion of the enemy just ahead of you, standing 10 feet tall, weighing almost 200 pounds of armor, holding a spear in his hand, the Bible says, with a 15 to 16-pound spear head, and the the, the spear the handle said looked like a weaver's beam. It, it was huge. And, and not only that, he still had a sword and he still had a javelin and he still had a shield so big that a bearer, someone whose job it was just to walk in front of him with a shield, they were all this menacing bully of the enemy in this deep valley between two mountains here that that David could have looked at this and said, wait a minute, I'm too young for this. I can't handle this. I'm only 16, 17 years old. There's no way. But he didn't. There was something about David that caused a faith in David to rise up when it was needed. And instead of tucking tail and running away from the fight and running away from the battle, instead of deflecting this 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 warrior and the, the curses that's coming from Goliath, instead of deflecting it onto all of Israel, and, and David said, no, we're going to handle this, and we're going to handle this right now. And he was, he was man enough at 16, 17 years old to run toward Goliath. I, I wish I had the faith it took to see a struggle ahead or even be in the midst of a struggle and and actually, not just not just stand firm in it, but run towards it, believing that it was all going to work out. Now, what was the key to this? What? How did David do this? How did David not just stand firm in his faith, but run firm in his faith toward this Goliath figure, this battle, this bully, this valley? How did he do so? Well, actually, we're going to see there are two things, two things that David did, two things that actually God did with David that that caused him to have that kind of faith. And I believe that, that God is going to work in your life the same way. I believe he works in, in your life and my life the exact same way he works in David's life. It, David's life, that he wants to get us to a point where we don't cower down from any kind of 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 what we feel like is a struggle, that we don't cower down from that, but we actually grow stronger and bigger and better in that and because of that struggle. So the very first thing that we find here uh, about David and about what God has done with David is that David had 
an opportunity to really know who God was, right? Um, he, he relied on uh, he relied on knowing God in the times he was a shepherd, when he was out in the field before he was ever king. He relied in those moments and he relied on those struggles he had there and how God brought him through that, which caused him to have the faith to, to, to face this next struggle. Um, that's why he says, hey, I faced a lion and I faced a bear. And when I say face, I, I, I literally was face to face with them. In fact, if you read closely here in 1 Samuel, he actually says, and I grabbed them by the beard and struck them. What, now that, that, that's important because what that means is that he was willing to go face to face. He was willing to face up with this struggle, with, the, with each struggle and with each fear. David learned that he could do so by relying on the power of God. He knew how to put his focus and his mind on what God could do, not just what he could do. And how do I know that? Well, here's how I know that. Because uh, if you read this whole story, the whole chapter of 1 Samuel 17, you'll find something kind of interesting. You'll find that he has a an interaction with his father. There's no mention, his dad doesn't mention God at all. He has an interaction with his brothers who are, he has three older brothers in this story and they're all, they're in this warfare, in this battle. They don't ever mention God. He has a, a conversation with King Saul himself. King Saul does not ever mention God. In fact, King Saul says, here, take my armor like that's going to do him any good. King Saul, who was too afraid to go out and fight Goliath in the first place, right? King Saul never mentioned God. No one ever mentioned God in this story except for David. And David mentions God at least eight times in this story. You probably heard three or four times right here just when we were reading that he, when he was talking to his people, when he was talking to his brothers, when he was talking to his king, it was all about what God could do. And then when he goes and actually faces Goliath, he talks to Goliath, not about what he could do, but about what God could do. He, his mind was stayed upon the Lord. And that's why the scripture says, he who has a mind stayed upon God, God will keep him in perfect peace. In perfect peace. That word, that phrase perfect peace means that there was not any fear at all. I mean, because we all are going to have some fearful moments. That word perfect doesn't necessarily mean what we think of as perfect. That word perfect in the original language means you have no lack. That means everything that you need, you find it in the peace of God. You find it in God. The peace that you're needing in the midst of this, this crazy bully battle, you find it as you keep your mind stayed upon God. So here we have really something interesting, how no one brought up the name of God but David. David didn't just bring it up once or twice or three times. It, he brought it up multiple times to himself, to everyone around, to the king, and then even to the battle. He brought the name of God into that. The second thing that we find that 
David, God brought David through some lessons he, he learned um, to, so that David would have this kind of faith to, to, to race toward the struggle and race toward this bully and say, not, not on my watch today, Satan, is that David learned how to trust God while he waited. Um, when we talk about King David and we, we talk about the story and the life of David, uh, most of us forget that um, it wasn't all about sunshines and rainbows, that there were lots of struggles in David's life. There, were, there was a roller coaster David was on. You, if you want to go back and read uh, the, the whole story of David becoming king, this was not just God showing up when he's 15 or 16 and slapping a label on his chest that says, Hello, my name is King David, and then, king, and then David walking into the throne room and just sitting comfortably on a throne, snapping his fingers and having servants come and bring him cheese and wine and grapes and fine foods and things like that. Uh, that, that. That was absolutely not even close to the story that when you read about David and how he was anointed king, but yet he went through a, a long period of learning to trust in God while he waited on becoming king, that is what caused David to have the kind of faith that King David needed to have to run an entire country of God's people and be the leader God wanted him to be. Most of us um, don't even realize that David was actually anointed three times. He was anointed three times to be king and and in all three times, there was a, a span of time where he had to learn how to wait upon the Lord. We read that in scripture, right? They that wait upon the Lord, that, those are the ones that get renewed and strengthened. Those are the ones that can keep running and keep walking and keep going and not giving up. And those are the ones that when the time is the toughest and it really is more than they can handle, that's when they spread their wings and the Bible says they will mount up like wings as eagles. Where in my mind, I see, I see David spreading his wings and the Holy Spirit taking over and making him be able to, to, to go to a level, a higher level over his enemies whenever it was really needed. Three times David was anointed. The very first time we find David being anointed is 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Now, I'm not going to read that for sake of time. You can go and read that. But the first time David was anointed, found in 1 Samuel 16 and 13, that's the famous one. Most people realize that's where David was, you know, 14, 15, 16, somewhere right in there. And he's tending his sheep and and um, God rejects Saul because Saul has rejected the way of God. And so Samuel, the prophet who's in charge of doing God's will and making sure the people do God's will, God tells Samuel, I've got a new king. I've got somebody else in mind. Reject Saul. Just forget about him for the moment. And, and I want you to find this, this guy that I have. And it's all based on his heart. And quite literally, that's when God says, I don't look at the stature of man on the physical side of things. I look at the spiritual side. I look at the heart and I found a man after my own heart. Go anoint him to be king. And story goes, yeah, Samuel finds 
Jesse, he finds all of his, his, his sons and he looks at all of them and says, no, this, this is not it. Do you have any others? And even Jesse, his own, David's own dad said, well, you know, maybe I've got one, but it's probably not him, right? And so he does eventually call David and that's when Samuel says, boom, there it is. That's the man that God has chosen. And, and Samuel anointed David then and there to become king of Israel. Now, this is what I call the anointing of acceptance. That this is where God had seen his heart and accepted him in a way that God said, okay, I see that you're a man after my heart. I see that you have great, uh, you know, great capacity in your heart to, to receive my anointing. And so in essence, what he's saying is, is he's looking at David's life and he says, I see your heart as fertile ground. So I'm going to sow the seed of anointing. I'm going to sow the seed of faith into your heart. And, and, and from this day forward, I'm going to identify you as your purpose and, and my purpose for you. And to get you to that purpose that I have for you, though, you're going to have to walk through a season of allowing me to not just plant seeds of faith in your heart, but to actually cultivate. I'm going to bring you through some good seasons, some bad seasons, some ups, some downs, some victories, some defeats. I'm going to bring you through all of these things because I want to cultivate character in your heart because I want to know that I can trust you when you become king. So David, who could have run from that and said, oh, no, no, thank you. I'm not into the life of struggling. I just like laying on the beach in a hammock and, and just catching some Z's and catching some rays and maybe catching some fish. That's all, all I care about. But David recognized that his identity was not found in that. His identity was found in a purpose that God had for him. And he's, he, he embraced this and said, if this is your will, let's do this. And so for the next fifth Teen years, God cultivates the seeds of faith that he's placed in his heart. For the next 15 years, this anointing is being worked out in his life. For the next 15 years, he goes through ups and downs and bads and goods and ins and outs. The next 15 years of waiting on God. Then he gets anointed the second time. By the way, in that 15 years, that's where we had actually the story of David and Goliath, right? Uh, along with so many other stories, I don't have time to tell you. Go back and read your Bible. There's some good stuff in there, right? So we come to the second time after 15 years, he, he is anointed. And in 2 Samuel 2, verse 4, he is anointed the second time. I call this the bridge anointing because wasn't, he wasn't fully there yet. He was kind of at that point of no return. Well, I can't go turn and go back. There's nothing for me to go back to. And, and I'm at the point where I've got to move forward toward God's purpose in my life. And this was the time in which Judah had anointed him as king over their community, their land. And without getting too historical on you, um, too boring with you, uh, Israel at that time, like a lot of other times, was split into two sections of the country. You got Judah and you got Israel. Judah was actually the smaller of the, 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 the two, but yet they were the leaders and the leadership there. And that goes all the way back to a prophecy by Jacob. In Genesis 49, Jacob, who has a son, has 12 sons, right? 
And one of them, his name is Judah. And when he blesses him before he dies, he prophesies and says, you will be the leader over all the other tribes, over all of Israel. Out of you comes the leadership. So Judah represents being a leader. The name Judah also means praise. So in this bridge moment, in this place of no return, in this place between do I go back or do I go forward, in this place where, where a lot of struggles would happen on can I make it and will this really work out? It's been 15 years and now is this really going to come to pass? Uh, it was in that place David had to embrace what God was doing in his life and become a leader by praising God in every situation. In everything he was going through, he learned to praise God. And throughout all of those 15 years and then the second anointing and seven more years of walking this second anointing out, seven more years after the 15 of walking toward the purpose of God in his life, that he had to learn how to walk with God, which is what he tells Solomon later. Walk with God. Keep his principles. Know him. Keep your mind on him. Learn how to rest in him and trust in him. And he'll give you the straight path that you need. And as he did so, as he worked through this seven years of learning how to praise God and learning how to be a leader, even, even leading his own home and his own heart at times where things got difficult, but yet he stood firm and he ran through every difficult situation by trusting in God. He went through another seven years of God working hit it out in his life and seven years of cultivating the seeds of faith that had been placed in his heart from when he was anointed the first time. Then after that seven years, we find uh, his third and final anointing, 2 Samuel 5 and 3. We find where he is anointed a third and final time, finally over all of Israel, over Judah and Israel. This was an anointing that was finally what I call the anointing of occupants, where he is able to finally fully sit in the throne that God had in store for him and fully fulfill that purpose that God had intended for him over 20 years before this, 22 plus years ago. He has now walked all the way through and now he's sitting in this, this anointing of occupants, being fully now the king God had called him to be. But you know what? He could not have gotten there unless God was working all of these things out in his life. He, um, he had to be trusted. God, God wanted to be able to trust him and bring him through all kinds of character development, if you will, faith development. Because when you're king of God's people, you've got the whole world watching you in a way. And he wanted to make sure David was going to handle that in the appropriate way. And even when David messed up and messed up bad, you know, like your, the, the Bathsheba exit uh, incident, um, when David messed up bad, David knew, though, we're to come back to. And in Psalm 51, we see where David is repenting after he'd messed up bad. And he says, please, create in me a new heart. In other words, 
this heart that you've been working on, keep working on it. Keep doing it, Lord. And then he goes on to say, renew a right spirit within me. Because I recognize it's from that that I'm able to do. Not, not from my own ability or my own, own power. It's from you, Lord. And then he goes on to say, do whatever you've got to do, but don't take your presence from me. He recognized something so valuable that brought him through everything in life. And that was the trust and the reliance upon not just his power and his ability, but upon God's. And God had brought him through so much to teach him that. So then we think, well, okay, well, what does that mean for us today? What's the take home? How does that apply to our life today? Well, through the work of Jesus Christ, he has given us a new heart. He's given every one of us who believe in him a new heart. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creation. And when we talk about being a new creation, we don't always point at our body, right? We point right here. When we say, hey, identify yourself, point to yourself, we all point right here at the heart. To identify ourselves. That that is where the essence of who we are is. And Jesus says that I will give you a new heart. And when I make that heart of stone back fertile again, I will sow seeds of faith. The Holy Spirit will come and sow seeds of faith in that heart. And it's when we learn to then take those seeds of faith that he's put inside of us and learn to abide in him and rest in him and, and know him first. And, and our greatest work is learning to abide in him and not striving to struggle. John chapter 15, Jesus gives his final, um, if you will, advice to his disciples. And he says, disciples, if you want to know how to make, make it through everything, abide. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Now in that process, yeah, you're going to be cultivated. You're going to be pruned. You're going to, you're going to go through good seasons. You're going to go through bad seasons, but I'm going to do all of the, I'm going to allow some things into your life. I'm even going to allow a bully or two to come into your life because I want you to learn to trust me because Jesus is saying, I trust the process I know how to hold you in my hand. I know that you're going to be okay. The struggle is only going to come. The trial is only going to come to make you stronger. Trust in me. And as you do so, you build that relationship. You build that rapport. And the, tr the, the more you do that, the closer you get to him, the closer you get to him, the more you know his character, the more you know his character, the more you know his ability, the more you know his ability, the more you lean onto him or into him and you don't acknowledge your ways you acknowledge his ways and it might not always make sense in the flesh but you know if you do it his way he will be the one who brings the outcome to pass romans 8 27 through 28 says and he searches the hearts and knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Another translation, King James, New King James says, 
and he works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. They're both saying the same thing. The love comes first, and then the work through that love, there's this work happening, this co-laboring happening. And through that, he is working all things out. He's working that faith out. He's teaching you how to have faith with works, as James chapter 2 says. We need to learn how to abide in him first. Just as David learned how to, how to abide in God and then that gave him this the faith to go and face any giant that he needed to face. When you abide in him through a genuine relationship, you realize he's building something in you. He's building it by him. He's building it on him. And he's building it with him. The whole purpose is that you do this thing called life with him. And not you doing it on your own and then asking him to come and bless it at certain times. He wants you to get the relationship part down first. And from that relationship, there's the trust. The trust that he's working all things out. I'm going to close with a little funny little story, but it's a really cool illustration. It says a farmer found a little girl that was lost in the meadow. The farmer said to her, do not cry. I'll take you home. The little girl immediately snuggled up to him with a big smile and said to the farmer, I knew you would come. I was waiting just for you. The farmer looks at the little girl and says, waiting for me? How did you, how did you know I was coming? What made you think that everything was going to be okay? The little girl replied, oh, I was praying that you would. The farmer replies back, praying? What do you mean praying? For when I heard you in the meadow, I heard you saying your ABCs. I heard you saying the alphabet. Why were you saying the alphabet? What does it have anything to do with prayer? She looked up to him again and said, Mr. I'm just a little girl and I don't exactly know how to pray. So I decided I would pray the alphabet and let God put all of the letters together just the way he wanted to. For I trusted that he knew what I needed. He knew I was lost. And he knew how to make all these letters work out together for my good. God knows what ingredients we need in our life. And he knows exactly how to put them together to work them all out. So that we would learn the wisdom and the strength of trusting in him. Father God, we love you and we thank you. God, we trust in you. I know, Lord, I'm not perfect in that, but I'm learning and I'm, and I'm thankful that you're walking this out with me and working this out with us. Lord God, we need you. We trust you. We all face battles. We all have struggles. We all at times feel bullied by the enemy, but I know that you're with us. And I know that, Lord God, you're not just watching over us. You're walking with us, declaring that the battle is yours. Help us to learn to trust in you, rely on your power by abiding close to you. And it's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. God is so faithful and so good. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of our church. Let us know if there's anything we can do for you. We're praying for you. We love you. God bless you. We hope to see you Sunday. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.